This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It was really an awakening moment. All these things that I was leading towards, what I believe to be a successful life, the hard driving, got to win, all that kind of stuff. It did seem like winning to get great grades and SAT scores and get into all these places and work at the accounting firm. And, and it came to this screeching halt when I got to that job and I realized this is not something that I want really my life to look like. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan, your host. And let me tell you a little bit about the mission of Parent Footprint. It is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. We believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives, happiness, health, and engagement. Critically, we believe that awareness is the foundation for your vision of successful parenting. And with increased awareness and intention, we can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children. Today's show is completely aligned with this mission. Today's show is called Teaching Financial Independence to Your Children. And I am excited to introduce you to our guest, Brad Barrett. I'm going to talk a bit about Brad first, because there's a lot we need to know as for the life that he's created. Brad went, to be, went from being a full-time CPA to retiring with complete financial independence by the age of 35 through diligent savings and investing. And now as co-host and co-founder of Choose FI, he's empowering others to reach for a life of purpose, intention, and ultimately happiness through the journey to financial independence. So a little bit about the story here that he's going to tell us more about. He led an outwardly successful life in his 20s, succeeded in school, went to an elite university, top job at an international accounting firm, CPA, and he had the usual plan um, of the American narrative. In his first year, he saw that success was really working over 80 hours a week and not taking vacations, which I know is familiar to many of us. So he looked for a different path and he and his wife had this epiphany that they would want to have kids, but with high pressure jobs in a high cost of living area, they wouldn't have time or the freedom they desire to spend with those kids. So I'm going to welcome him and he's going to tell us the rest of the story. Brad, welcome to the show. Dan, thank you so much for having me. So Continue this story, please, because it's an inspiring one and it gives hope to everyone out there that they can do what you have done. Yeah. 
Well, no, I certainly appreciate it. And that was a, that was a great summary. I'm going to have to uh, record that and, and play it back for people. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that clearly, that, that's the start of this. It's, it was really an awakening moment that all these things that I was leading towards my entire life, and, and like you said, leading what, what I believe to be a successful life, and maybe for that type A personality that I, that I used to be, the hard driving, got to win, all that kind of stuff. Like It did seem like winning to get great grades and SAT scores and get into all these places and you know, work at the accounting firm. And, and it, it kind of it came to this screeching halt when, when I got to that job and I realized this is not something that I want really my life to look like. When I, when I looked at the partners, right? When you work at an, a big accounting firm or law firm or investment bank, there's always that carrot of making partner or making managing director or some such. And I looked at those people and they were miserable. They, sure, they were making a lot of money, but the partner was there with me, the first year staff at 2 a.m. stapling tax returns, right? Like that yeah. wasn't a life that I wanted. And, and mm-hmm. you really, you combine it with a couple of things that, that again, I had this awakening of, wow, I'm never going to be able to take off more than maybe nine calendar days in a row. Because who can take off more than a week of work, right? So you get one week and bookended by two weekends and you've got nine calendar days. And that just, it seemed mm-hmm. like, like a sentence. And, and I don't mean to over-dramatize uh, this, certainly, but, but that's what it seemed like. And, and I just kind of realized there had to be a better way. And my wife and I, we got married in our mid-20s. We, we lived in a high-cost-of-living area. We lived in uh, Long Island, New York. And that was where we had grown up. That's where we lived our entire lives, had our family and friends. And we made the decision at that point that it wasn't going to be congruent with the life that we wanted to live. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I don't know how we had the mental wherewithal at 25 and 26 to, to realize that. But I mean, that path that we set up at that age came to fruition. That's, that's the remarkable thing. And a lot of it did yeah. stem from making a fairly radical decision to leave Long Island and move down to Richmond, Virginia. And I mean, really here in Richmond, it's a wonderful place to live. And it probably cost about a third, maybe 40% of what it would have on Long Island. I mean, everything is cheaper, obviously, mo- more, most especially housing, clearly, but everything across the board is cheaper. And we don't feel like we've given up anything. I think a lot of people, a lot of people look at saving money as deprivation, and mm-hmm. that has never been the case for us. We've always looked at it both as this kind of fun game, if you will, this way to kind of win at life, right? Like live the same middle class or upper middle class life as everybody else around us, but yet we're saving. 30 or 50 or 70% of our income. And to all outward appearances, nobody knows. Nobody would have any clue on my block that we were saving 50% of our money. And, you know, there was not only that, but clearly the goal of having Laura stay at home with our kids and be a stay at home mom was something that was important to her. 
she's done that. And, you know, my youngest daughter is now in second grade and Laura's a PTA treasurer. And, and I mean, that, that worked. And, and, and the ultimate goal was getting to this point of financial independence. And yeah, really incredibly, we did get there in our, in our mid thirties. So a, a number of things you just said are striking to me. One is the awareness, the epiphany and uh, this show, our mission is all about increasing awareness so we can live with intention, which is also uh, clearly your goal personally and professionally. Um, and, and I've seen from a generational perspective, um, the millennials, um, whatever else everyone's being called these days, they seem to have more awareness than um, our generation. And uh, I'm 49 now with uh, uh, teenagers and young adults, so I think I'm a little older than you. But I feel like we sound like we're from a similar mindset generation. But you guys, you guys, in your so it, to me, this is early that you came to this awareness. Um, and I just taking a step back. How do you think you guys had that awareness at that age? Yeah, I mean that. That is hard. It's it's hard to place ourselves because we, Laura and I have had these conversations, and it almost seems like we just came to this idea all at once. But clearly, it wasn't that right. Like it was especially on the job. Like I said, there were those those two items, but but actually, we worked at Arthur Anderson, and if uh, mm-hmm. if you remember back in two thousand one, so I graduated college in two thousand one, and. Mm-hmm went to work for what at the time was the best accounting firm in the world. And then nine months later, it did not exist. And I think, I think what happened was we realized there is great uncertainty and impermanence in modern, I guess, um, not only American life, but corporate life, certainly that like you could be, you could have done everything right. I mean, again, there were partners there that had worked their entire careers got to be partner at Arthur Anderson and the firm did not exist a couple mm-hmm. months later. And I think, I think what we realized at that point was that there's always going to be some outside force that is, that is going to have the ability to impact you. But if you can take matters into your own hands and increase the level of autonomy and power that you have in even little ways, it's going to help you. It's going to give you options, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's something that we realized early on was what is the way to give ourselves options? It's to have money in the bank, right? I mean, think about there were people there, and and of course, this I, I'm just using this one simple little example because it's my life, but but you, right. you see this all the time. There are people, many many tens of millions of people who are living paycheck to paycheck, and if they lose their job or their company goes out of business or whatever scenario you want to paint, which could very plausibly happen at any point, their entire lives crumble potentially in 30, 60, 90 days, right? I mean, think about the stress that you're living under, your entire family is living under when your entire lifestyle can crumble and your entire life can crumble in 30 to 60 days. I mean, that that seemed like just the height of, insanity to me. And, and especially because it was, it hit home so young for us. I really, at that point it was, we were 22 and 23 and this was even before we were dating. So I think that, that type of uncertainty really, really stuck itself in, in our brains, if you will. And 
I think that helped inform everything that came later. And and it just also shows how external events collide with internal uh, development and processing, right? So if that earthquake, so to speak, didn't happen right then, you might have maybe maybe it takes another year or two of being really tired wanting vacation to be like hey this is not a way to live right so it's kind of like everything aligned for you it sounds like to have this whoa we got to do this thing differently and we can and we have options right options yeah i mean that's that's absolutely right with options and and just realizing that how you spend your money like it really does impact it's not just an in the moment decision Right. Because I mean, so many of my friends and colleagues, they even at 22, 23, they bought BMWs. And and it's not like it's not my place to say like, oh, you shouldn't buy things. It, again, FI is not about deprivation. But but I mean, that was it. It was almost paralyzing for them going forward when you have a 500, 700, 900 dollar a month car payment, like by by not mooring ourselves to these like expensive things. We did give ourselves options. So, you know, it's funny because yeah, optionality is something I've always considered. And, and sometimes those options that you exercise will be small. And sometimes like in my case, they'll be big, you know, moving 400 miles South. I mean, like that wasn't an easy decision. And certainly to follow a path towards financial independence, you don't have to make dramatic decisions. You you genuinely do not. But you have to make some decisions, right? Dan, I think like for so many people who are living paycheck to paycheck or worse, getting into further debt every month, you're never going to get a get to a point of solvency, not less any type of financial independence or ever be able to retire other than through sheer luck. And I mean that's just not that's not good enough, right? So, I think that's why saving money it does give you options and it gives you a level of control over your life. And it, it, frankly, it lowers your stress level dramatically. Like the thought of living that life so close to the edge where like any little pseudo emergency, which is really just, just life. It's not even an emergency, right? Like a flat tire or a broken stove, whatever it may be. Like if that's an emergency that you have to put it on a credit card at 20% interest, like think about how stressful that life is. Uh, yeah, I, I know it well living in the Bay Area in Northern California, just clients and friends and our own experience. It's, you know, people are, quote, successful and stressed out for all the reasons you just you just mentioned. Um, it, it, so we're the point of this show is how do we teach our kids about financial independence? But of course, the parent footprint, it's all about us parents leading by example um, and becoming aware. So let's start with where you've been going um, is like, what do adults need to know about your model to financial independence? Yeah, I think I think the first thing, honestly, is that you can't beat yourself up about past mistakes. I think that's what a lot of people do and they and they stick their head in the sand. We see this all the time. Like people are just so afraid of thinking about their financial lives because they feel like they don't know anything or they've made so many mistakes or it's it's hopeless. And we've seen so many people in our community change their lives dramatically and like it doesn't matter if you start like me in in our early to mid 20s. It doesn't matter if we have people starting over at 50 and it's still the same math at the end of the day. So I, mm-hmm. I would urge everybody to say like, 
if if you're writing this off as oh that's not for me i think we've seen stories of people from all walks of life who have tried to really transform their lives radically and, but you know the funny thing dan is like it seems outwardly radical but like once you start doing this like again it becomes mm-hmm. this fun this fun game so anyway so that's kind of like the background i would say yep and but i think the the very next step is you need to be honest with yourself you need to maybe for the first time in your life put your financial life on paper or on Excel or Google Sheets or whatever it may be, get it in front of you. And and that might be difficult, right? Psychologically, I mean, you know well, like that might be extraordinarily difficult, but you have to just be honest and and get it there and say like, all right, this is step one. I'm not going to beat myself up over the mistakes I mean, That is a sunk cost. Like I cannot do anything about that anymore. I can make steps every day forward to make my life a little bit better. Right. And I can't beat myself up. So I think, I think that is what I advise everybody. And, and I think it does, I love how aligned our our missions are here is it comes from this place of intention. You have to take action. Like I said before, nothing is going to change if you're, you're living paycheck to paycheck and you know, you're just hoping, right? Like that is not a strategy. Hope is not a strategy here. You need to determine what you can change in your life to make, to make that little bit of space, right? You have your income and you have your expenses. It's a real simple equation. And the difference is your savings. Ultimately, it's this gap. And I think you have to make some decisions and we like to say it's based on value. So again, I know I I kind of uh, said jokingly the BMW before, but frankly, if you are a car person and you love your cars, then spend money on it. But do it from a place of intention. Just don't do it unconsciously like so many people or to even worse, to keep up with the neighbors or some silly nonsense like that. Do it from a place of intention. So this is not about being a miser. It's not about scrimping and saving every penny. I mean, my wife and I literally just just got home before we hit, hit record on this from CrossFit. And that's something we do together now as mm-hmm. almost like a three time a week date, if you will. And 9.30 yeah. in the morning, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And it's fantastic. And CrossFit is not cheap. It's $150 per person per month, but we value that. So we spend, mm-hmm. right? So what I would say is look at, you, once you've put your financial life and that is your income, your expenses, what you owe and what you own, right? So your net worth in essence, and mm-hmm. you're going to look at that, those expenses and your income and say, all right, what, what can change here? Right. So I think for me personally, I like to get quick wins because I, I think, and, and, you know, obviously you're the expert here, so, so you can, you can speak more eloquently on this, but I think psychologically, when you get that win and you see positive momentum that you want to do more and it's just, oh, this is part of my life now. It's a, it's habitual right? So I think the expenses are always going to be the easier side of the equation to tackle, especially Mm -hmm. at the, at the very beginning. I mean, I think for a lot of people, if they could make more money in all likelihood, they, they would be, you know, at their current job or, you know, maybe they could get a side hustle, like a, you know, a Uber Lyft or something like that. You know, that's, that may be a bit extreme, but I, I suspect there are ways to increase your income, uh, 
in the short to medium term. But again, I like to personally focus on expenses at the very beginning because I think there's almost invariably going to be something you can cut again to get that that quick win. And it might even just be, all right, we go out to eat 20 times a month, right? Like in, at, at an extreme, let's go out 19 next month. That's a huge yeah. win. You know, that's $50, right? Like, or $70, whatever it may be. Yeah. Like, so. Well, and uh, I remember the, my epiphany, sorry to interrupt here. I no, remember please. my epiphany. It sounds so simple as you say it, and as I'm about to say it, when I, when I realized that not spending money and cutting costs was the same thing and easier than making more money and working more. Yeah. It's like yeah. the same thing on a spreadsheet. Like it, it's what's, what's, it's what's left, right? Yeah. It's like, whoa, how come we don't get this information? Right. But now we're getting it now. No, and, and yeah, I would even go a, a step further. So like that is a brilliant, brilliant realization. And, and you realize actually that you're spending with post-tax dollars, Right. So right. That, that money's already been taxed. So it's actually worth probably 1.3, you know, times, if you will, on your gross income. So uh, like it's even more valuable in that sense. And actually, the second point is when your life costs less, you simply don't need as much money to cover your entire lifestyle, which is is interestingly enough, the entire concept of financial independence, which is in essence to have enough money saved up over whatever time period, it might take you 15, 20, 25 years, whatever it may be to reach this point of financial independence. And that's largely irrelevant, but you know, it's, it's predicated on your, your savings rate, but you need to, in essence, cover your yearly expenses. And I think this is where a lot of, a lot of retirement calculators that you see online get it entirely incorrect. They start with your current income when that's largely irrelevant because in order to get to any point of retirement early or not, you need to have some savings, right? And some significant savings built into your income. So I think it's a fundamentally flawed way to start actually. So what you really truly need is to cover your yearly expenses. So by lowering your expenses, you are increasing that gap. You're increasing your savings during this, this accumulation phase. And then you're also mm -hmm. reducing the overall cost of your life. So you need less. So it's, it's a double benefit. And gosh, it sounds so simple. Huh. And I have to say that um, one of the points that you make, which cannot be overstated, is the courage it takes to sit down and really look at everything because it can be scary when you're overwhelmed with money in, money out, you know, everything that's coming at you. We, we all as humans like to, you know, brush things under the couch and under the rug and time goes on. But it, if you could just sit down and do it and breathe through it, there's only good stuff that's going to come out on the other end. Yeah. Agreed. I've, yeah, I've seen it over and over with people in our community and yeah, it's, it is difficult. It's daunting, but just have the courage and take that leap. It's, it, I've seen myself, it's led to this incredible, incredible life. So it's got to, it has to start somewhere. And then after it starts with you and after you achieve it or are on your way to achieving um, as us parents, what then do you start and how do you start teaching your children? Yeah, this is, this has really been interesting for us. And I, my wife, Laura, and I look at, at this education process for our children as, as really our life's goal 
at, at this point. And, and it's just so remarkable. I, I have two, two, I guess, not so young daughters. It's funny, I, in my head, I think of them as young daughters, but they're 11 and eight now. So, you know, still young-ish. But I think the very first thing we do is, is we talk about money. And we don't make it a taboo subject. So, so many people, I mean, I, I know in my, when I grew up, my parents didn't talk about money at all. It was, it was something that was, it was, you know, it's almost like the, you know, sex, religion and, and money, right? Like the things you don't talk about. And uh, I, I think just having open and honest conversations with your kids, it really, really helps. And we've seen our kids be, be interested. Now, obviously we're not sitting down with them and, and showing them our tax returns and, and going through calculations on, on taxation and other nonsense like this. Like, you have to you have to give the lessons where they're appropriate and you gauge your kids' interests, mm-hmm. right? But like, you know, we started, we feel that savings, savings rate is absolutely essential. Like saving money and just building a habit of saving money is is crucial. So what we've done is, you know, we give, I guess, we give an allowance. We don't tie it to chores, but it's just it's really to teach them about money. So essentially what we do is they have three buckets and I'm sure you've heard this before, but they have the savings bucket, they have a spending bucket and they have a charity bucket. And we, Mm -hmm. we anchor what we try to do in both with our choose a vibe podcast and and with our family is we try to anchor a 50% savings rate. And I know that a lot of people's minds are probably blown right now that that sounds astronomical, especially if, you know, you certainly live in a high cost of living area, but, but I think, if you start with that, even if you don't mm-hmm. reach it, right? Even if you only, I say that jokingly, like only had a 25% or 30% savings rate, like it's still remarkable. So I think, I think, yeah, yes, it- yeah. I mean, we, we try to, so I think we try to start from there. So that, that's essentially what we do with our kids too. We're trying to build that habit. And so 50% of their allowance goes directly into that savings and, and then the rest of it is essentially split between spending and charity. And I think I think it is important to know that, especially for your kids, like life is not about being miserly. That that's not it at all. I mean, we are enjoying our lives as much as you could imagine. We feel like we're rolling in abundance, in essence, and yet we're saving all this money. So I, I think it really is important that they realize, okay, I want to buy that item, and I get. X number of dollars per month for or per week for spending, it's going to take me nine or eleven weeks, whatever it may be, right? Depending on the math, like I think that's that's a cool thing, and and then they decide in that interim time period. Also, is it really worth it? Have my desires moved on? Like we've seen that with them recently, they were playing these intricate like worlds they've built up with Legos, and they were buying these Lego dolls, which are not all that not all that cheap actually interestingly enough but they, they have like i think they each have it's something like 27 of them so they have 54 different characters with all these different attributes and all this and so it's this amazing thing but just in the last couple of weeks they've moved on and they were planning on saving up for like this hundred dollar set of these dolls and they've moved on so it, it's interesting i think that's another kind of cool lesson built in there. And yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of where we started. And then you just, you layer, 
you layer the lessons on from there. So we don't Mm -hmm. want them to just stick their savings in literally in a bucket or in a checking account or a tiny little savings account making, you know, 0.1% interest or something. We try to explain to them roughly, very roughly, of course, how the stock market works Mm -hmm. and how over a 50, I mean, they legitimately have a 70 to 90 year investing lifetime what that's going to look like. (laughs) Right. And like, and the power of compounding and we actually, and you know, again, you layer on lessons, but you think about who is it applicable for? Like at the time, my younger daughter, Molly was six and she would not have understood anything about compound interest. But my older daughter, Anna, who loves math, we sat her down for five minutes in front of a Microsoft, uh, a Microsoft Excel sheet and just showed her the concept of compounding and how when you mm-hmm. in, you invest X number of dollars per year and it grows at, let's say, 8%, how, how that can grow really exponentially with the power of compounding as opposed to just a straight line thing or even worse, you know, just taking your interest and spending it, right? So, I mean, she looked at that yeah. and her yeah. eyes, it was, it was like this seminal moment in her life. And again, like that's something that we, pro- if you had asked me prior to that, like, is Anna, is, is this going to be a big deal or is she just going to look at it and say, ah, forget about it? Like, I probably would have thought the latter. And yet, I strongly suspect that's going to be one of those moments she looks back on and says, that was a really important lesson for me. And, you know, that's reminding me of the guy who wrote the book or the article about compact. It was, if you don't get your Starbucks latte, like one day a week for 30 years and take that money, you know, like it compounded up to over a million dollars, just that $4 latte, right? And, and most adults don't get it until they actually have it explained to them. So this is huge. Yeah, agreed. Compound interest, if for anybody out there listening, like I don't want to make it sound like this is something obvious because it isn't. I didn't know anything about it until I basically got lucky and someone presented it to me. So what I would request mm-hmm. everybody listening to this, if you've never heard of that before, is just Google compound interest calculator and just put in some figures. So in essence, like put in that you're going to save, I don't know, three or $4,000 a year for the next 30 years. It's going to grow at 8%. And see what that number is. You're going to be, your mind is going to be blown. And it shows the power mm-hmm. of compounding. It's, it, it is a transformative concept. My wife and I, in thinking about this with our kids, a large part of our discussion over the years was, has been teaching them about advertising and about um, how the, the industries that are out there to make, to make us spend money. And I'm wondering what you think about that in terms of educating on the flip side of um, having that impulse control, that delayed gratification, being informed consumers, because particularly as technology and as our kids have smartphones and everything's popping up on the computers, which is like spend money, spend money, spend money. And I feel like this is another side of the awareness that kids need to have. Yeah, that is a good point. And, and I, I actually wouldn't mind asking you a question, which is my, I, we've noticed our kids are very different when it comes to advertising. One of, one of our children is just not interested at all. Whereas the other one sees something is like, Oh, can we buy that? Can we buy that? Like that, you know, exactly to your point, like, do you notice that your kids are different? 
Um, yes, they are, depending on um, just their personalities. Uh, and so, yeah, we one of our three definitely is always the critic and always seeing the angle uh, that is coming on the other side. Um, I have another one is a big saver always been a big saver, very methodical. And another one gets really excited when um, they find something that they really want. Um, so within this context, we are been working on, you know, money and different accounts and how much do you make and how much after taxes will you have? And is this something that you want? And then learning over time as well, the difference between something that makes you feel really good in the moment. And then you're like, oh gosh, I just spent all that money and I'm, I, I just, I got kind of suckered. I don't even really want it. So I feel the dialogue, kind of what you're talking about with money with your kids, it's the dialogue, which is so important. And the lessons where you can be like, okay, we just learned a lesson. Now let's move on. Right, like we know, we, we know how this works. Yeah, now. no, I totally agree. And and yeah, built in there, you, you were talking about a lesson that that we pass to them often, which is experiences versus stuff. Right, like we love to travel. We think it's it's an amazing thing for them to see the world, to see that their own little myopic world here in, in Richmond is not the larger world. There's culture out there. There are people. There are things to explore. And I, I think we put a focus on travel and we don't put a focus on stuff. So that's, that's something that's really, mm. really important for yeah. us. I think again, kind of going back to, to your question about how do we deal with that with advertising? I mean, I'm not like especially proud of this, but like, you know, avoidance for us is some aspect of this. Like, and, and it's not that it's been overt, but like we don't watch that much TV. We really don't. So, I mean, my kids are not the ones who are bombarded with, with all mm -hmm. these ads constantly. Like, so whereas a lot of their friends have these long, intricate wish lists for, for the holidays, like yeah. our kids, frankly, don't have that because I don't know that they even know what's out there. So, like, they're not necessarily getting, you know, getting that desire every second of every day being bombarded at them. And, and I think, you know, what's interesting is we've actually, we've built a structure where they have, they have some ability certainly to make choices. Like we were talking about, they have their spending money and, you know, like we talked about with the Legos, but, but my wife, Laura also is very intentional about what she allows them to, to choose because I think she believes that, I'm kind of struggling to find the words here, but she believes that a lot of a lot of extra choice leads to just wanting more. So, like she has, you know, friends of hers who is oh, they're always like taking their kids for like new shoes, and invariably the kid chooses the seventy dollars shoes that light up and have little skates in them and all this other nonsense. Whereas Laura's like, why would I give Molly and Anna, the choice to do that when like, I'm just looking for things that I know look good are going to be suitable for them and last a while. And I'm going to find a good deal on. So like in that regard, it's, it's kind of creating this structure where the wants are, are minimized, but clearly like we're not trying to shelter them as, as and give them no choices or no exposure to the world. I think we're trying to do it intentionally. 
you just hit the word that I was going to reflect back to you, which is everything about what you and Laura are doing relates to being intentional. Intentional about what you're teaching, intentional about the choices you're making, intentional about how you're living your life so your kids see this. So intention is huge in all of this. Yeah, no, I love that. And yeah, I certainly, certainly appreciate it. And, and yeah, just kind of the, the final thing I have here about is about teaching our kids is again, going back to that, that conversation, which is just kind of normalizing, normalizing the talk about money. And, and I I can think of an example recently where Laura wound up having like all these coupons to old Navy. She got credit card rewards points and there was some deal on the website where, you know, it was whatever, 50% off and then free shipping if you spent X amount. And she was able to sit down and sit down with the girls while she did this and show them how she, by just being smart. And it, it, again, it comes back to that, like winning at this game of life. It's doing, getting the ultimate result that's the same as everybody else that we know, which is getting nice, fashionable clothes, but doing it and really winning. So Laura ultimately went up, I think, and and I'm going to get it wrong to the penny, unfortunately, but it was under a dollar that she wound up having to pay out of pocket. I think it was 82 cents of memory serves. And it started at Mm -hmm. like $117 of actual items. And the, the cool thing is not just that she saved this money. You know, I mean, that's, that's a one-off thing, but she was explaining to the girls the thought process behind it and how if she actually spent a little bit more, she got over that threshold for free shipping. So it wouldn't be $7 in shipping. And then she was able to use this additional coupon because it was a $50 increment and she could get her full value from it. So it was all these little, little micro lessons built into this fun mm-hmm. thing of, hey, we're getting a new wardrobe. So it was it was this just cool experience that that you know I I really wanted to make a point of telling you about. Nice, nice. Well, the intention of our talk and the time of how much we have unfortunately spent takes us to when I say unfortunately, I want more time. Um, the parent footprint moment question. So you are, I'm sure you have a million examples because of the way you and Laura are living your life. So the question is, tell us about a time when you became aware of yourself as an individual or as a parent, and this new awareness had a positive impact on your children. Yeah, I think, I think for me, it's, it's a larger journey. So if you'll, if, if you'll indulge me here for a second, it's, it, I can't think of, it's not one moment. It's, it's this path that I've been on, not the financial independence path necessarily, though it certainly coincides with that, but this path of, of self-improvement, but in a very compassionate way. And I think it's made me a better person. I think it's made me a more present person. I think I, I know I mentioned before I was this kind of type A have to win type person and and that's how I grew up and I don't I don't know why frankly but all those outward marks of success really meant something to me and they don't mm-hmm. anymore and I think that's enabled me to take a step back and relax and think about 
what does a good life look like? And, and frankly, what does a good life look like in this mm-hmm. season of my life? And I think things change, things adapt. If you, if we had this conversation three years ago, I would have thought that my financial independence life would have been built around travel and exploring and doing all these exciting, like individual moments, you know, that, that, that you point to. But I think what we've realized is we like our routine. We like our lives here and, and building that life Mm -hmm. around routine around playing board games with the girls and making that a, I mean, we probably play 20 board games a week at this point. And, you know, and just having that quality time, I think again, it, it, it is all about this journey that I've been on and, and it's just made me a happier, more content person. And I think it has unquestionably made me a better parent. Inspiring, Brad. That's so inspiring. And I mean, for everyone listening, regardless of your age, you can do this. You like you really can do this. And I love the question that you you posed. Like, what does a good life look like? I mean, and that that leads to the intention. And also as we can teach our kids to ask themselves that question at a very early age. So they can make those choices, those intentional choices, even long before we all came to them. Like that's that's the goal with yeah. each generation, right? More wisdom, more intention, more, more purpose, more meaning. Yeah, and and it's interesting because I, I have like a direct story that I just thought of actually. If 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 we have one more minute here, is uh, because of this, because of this, this growth mindset that that I've built for myself, I've been able to to have long conversations with, with my older daughter, Anna, about, about what it looks like to, to improve, but to improve based on the growth mindset, as opposed to just like, I want to win. Right. So she is a very competitive swimmer. She's like an excellent, excellent swimmer for, for an 11 year old. And I think part of her got very used to being a a big fish in a small pond, if you will. And, you know, pardon, pardon that. But, you know, she was winning mm-hmm. all the time at her little local club and her summer club. And, and now she's at this really incredible, like top notch uh, USA swimming club. And, and there are girls all around her who are, who are just frankly better than her right now. I mean, they're some of the best kids in the country. And, and she at first looked at that and said like, wow, like, almost like I'm a loser, right? Like I'm not as good as them. And I think what we did was we've, we built this mindset where she actually now, she came up with, with this concept and I had nothing to do with it. She said to me one day, she's like, daddy, I, I think of this now as building a brick in my wall. Okay. Build, building a brick in my wall and it's the wall of success. So it's, what's the one thing I can do today? to build that brick. All right. So that is not going to be like, I mean, she knows she's not going to be a better swimmer than those four kids in the next lane who are, who are just frankly better than her right now. But she does know that if she can build one brick that day and every subsequent practice, what is that going to look like three, five, seven years from now? And it's just so cool. Like, and these bricks are tiny, right? It's like, Okay, I'm as good as the the best breaststroker in 
you know, in, in the pool for 25 yards, what would it look like to keep up with her for 50? I know I can't for a hundred, but what if my brick today is keeping up with her for 50 yards? Right. And when you stack these things and think about the visual of that building a brick. And I've taken that in my own life now of like when I, I just recently started uh, like weightlifting and I'm down in my basement doing like heavy squats. And this is something that does not come naturally to me at all. And I'm thinking about what is the brick I can build in my wall that day. And I got that language from my, t- you know, at the time, 10 year old daughter. Wow. Okay. So we are, we are going to leave everyone with this question because before the question was, what does a good life look like? The next question is, um, what's the next brick you can build in your wall? That's so great. <laughs> I love it. You got to tell your daughter, like, she, like we are, you, we are going to use this to, in, to inspire others to do the oh, same. So it. cool. Love it. So love cool. it. Love it. All right, Brad, tell people where, um, tell them about your, of course, your podcast and everywhere else they could follow all of uh, your information. And I appreciate it. Yeah. So obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you have a podcast player. So just search for Choose FI for financial independence. So Choose FI. I would love for you to hit subscribe, listen to episode 100 first. That's a great place to start. Uh, Also, choosefi.com slash start is another good way to just kind of start with our entire ecosystem. And yeah, we actually have Choose FI local groups in about 300 cities all across the world. So if you're looking for a support structure for a community, Choose FI is there. And it's uh, it's really, really exciting. So yeah, that's just at choosefi.com slash local. Nice. So much information, and I love that you've built communities, right? Communities of support for people who are aligned with uh, living this life that they want. And everyone you know that is fully aligned with our mission at Parent Footprint, um, you know where to find us at www.parentfootprint.com. Think about the person you want your child to become. Be that person. Live intentionally live with purpose and ask yourself that question that I ask myself daily. What footprint do you want to leave? <laughs>